Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Let's just, let's just... Uh... See if you guys know a little bit about what Proverbs are like. Like some of these are like more practice makes. Practice makes permanent, somebody said. Yeah, that's probably true too. To kill two birds with one stone. A picture is worth a thousand words. Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. We got one person with it. Necessity is the mother of invention. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, we're doing all right on some of those. Some of those were, some of those were better than others. But we have been going through the book of Proverbs. And it is a common practice amongst Christians, really, I think, worldwide, to read one chapter a day. There's 31 chapters, so you can read, you know, one day in the month, and you just read the proverb of the day. That's why I'm on Proverbs 30. Now, you've got to remember, too, excuse me, that Proverbs are not necessarily promises that are just guaranteed. It's just generally speaking, this is what's going to happen. It's going to depend a lot upon the society in which we live. Different countries will have different uh, aspects or different cultural contexts, but this is generally speaking... Like I think of that proverb that says a lot of parents stand on the proverb that if you train up a child in the way he should go, yeah, thank you. Some of you are catching on. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Now, that, that does not mean that if you did train up your child and he's currently not walking with the Lord, that does not mean that you're a bad parent. We still do have free will. That young child still has free will and can, you know, we, but we are hoping that he'll come back and that he will, you know, so that's, you just got to realize that's generally what's happening. And then, and then also that Proverbs are not simple statements that are easily understood. We'll get into these a little bit. We'll go through Proverbs 30 in a minute here. And then also just to remind us that Hebrew poetry is not so much rhyming like our English poetry but it's more parallelisms, and they'll repeat the same thing in a second line. They'll emphasize. Sometimes it's a lot of contrasting. If you look for key words, like the word the righteous are, but the wicked are, you know, and so you feel, find those key phrases or key words like that. And then also, even just that word righteous, the, the word righteous or righteous man, righteous woman in the book of Proverbs that's not the same as the righteousness that comes by faith that Paul talks about in his, in his epistles, that we're saved, we're made righteous. It's more like right living. Proverbs is a right living versus, you know, living against God, okay? And I, I just heard this this morning, actually, that Proverbs are, are kind of like as if you're walking on a, a dirt path. Proverbs in your life, if you meditate on them, put them in practice, they can be almost like stones that make that dirt path even easier to go on. You know, not that it's going to be perfect, but they lay it out, and it's like that, that that's, that's the way Proverbs can be in our lives. Let's look at Proverbs 30 then. Let's get into it a little bit, and I'll, I'll pause and just kind of talk a little bit. Proverbs, 
the words of Agur, I think I'm saying that right, the son of Jechah, the oracle, the man declares, I am worthy, I am weary, O God, I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of a holy one. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? Surely you know. These first verses for me, as I look at this, and I kind of did my own outline of it. You know, I know there's study Bibles, and you can look at the study Bibles, and those supposed experts, you know, they've made their outline. Well, you can make your own, too, more than just read through it and give you a sermon. What I'd like to do a little bit is teach you a little bit or show you what I do, bring you into my world of how I've looked at this proverb and and some of the key words as we go into verse 5. Every word, I I took, I I, kind of underlined that phrase, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. And then in verse 7, two things I ask of you. And then it goes into those two things. And then as I look down through this proverb, later on towards the end, there's several phrases or clusters of verses that say three things and a fourth. Three things and a fourth. Three things and a fourth. And usually they're emphasizing the fourth thing. But when I saw this, this one here, two things, and then three things, three things, three things, as you go down, we won't get into all, the, all of those. What I do want to get into is in verse 11 and, and on to 14. We're going to kind of camp on, on those verses as we get into this. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those. You can you hear that repeating. It's like four times. There are those who are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth. There are those. How lofty are their eyes. How high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor off of the earth, the needy from among, among mankind. And so when I, I, look at, I looked at that, there are those, that repetition. You know, again, in the Hebrew poetry, they, they don't have, or they didn't have all the fonts and the, you know, underlining and the bold. So they repeat things. There are those. There are those. There are those. And so I took that and I kind of went a little bit deeper. Let's look at that a little bit. So the, the, I, found, I found three of them. And then one of them that I think just kind of, it's, first I thought, well, that's just kind of out there. I'll get to that in a second. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. And the Proverbs, a lot of times, will repeat things or will highlight things that are throughout the Scriptures. And here we have a a principle. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you. You live long on the earth. 
And it's interesting here, it says, there are those who curse their fathers. Now, curse is to speak evil of, to complain. It's like, that's an active cursing. And then it says, there are those who do not bless their mothers. And now that's, that's more of a passive. It's something that I'm not doing. I'm not blessing or not speaking well of my mother. And I don't know what your parent situation is. We were in, on a campus recently, and as we go through, we use, this, we use this God test, and we ask people, do you believe in God? And if they say yes, then we ask, what does God expect of us? And then they tell us what they believe that, you know, they, or we say, how would you describe God? And then what does God expect of us? And then as we go back through and we try to explain what God's expectation is, we try to use the Ten Commandments. And with one guy, we were talking about honor your father and your mother. And his response was, well, I can honor my mother, but my father I could never honor. It's like, and I don't know his situation. We tried to get into it a little bit. And I, and I think for that particular case, for him to be able to honor, you know, it doesn't say honor your father and mother if they are perfect. Because if that were the case, then nobody would have to honor their father and mother because there's no, there's no perfect here on earth. There is no perfect, you know, father and mother. Apparently, this young man, his father, you know, I don't want to get into it. And I'm sure that in this room or people watching online as well, there have been parents that have been abusive or parents that have been absent completely. But yet somehow we're still called to honor them in some way. I'm not saying that we would be in agreement with everything that they've done or said, but there's some way where you can at least, you know, I, it's just, it, for that guy I know that we talked to on that campus, it would take a miracle. It would take him realizing that God the Father is the perfect Father. It would take a change of his heart. We really all need that because we can put expectations on our parents to be something for us that really only God can be. And you will be disappointed every time because there is no perfect. You know, I think of my parents in a couple of weeks. I probably said it a thousand times, but it's, it's worth saying it because it is a good testimony. My parents in a couple of weeks will celebrate their 70th wedding anniversary. I'm just saying it. Of course, there's three secrets. You got to get married real young. Like my mom, I think, was 18. My dad was like maybe 20. And then you got to stay together. You got to live a long life. I think it's only about one out of one out of a thousand that make it that long because you, you do have to start. And so I, I do try to honor them. Now, are they perfect? No, they're not. You know, if, if I wanted to, if you wanted to, you could find I think there's another proverb that talks about if you want to find evil, you'll find it. If you want to find something to complain about, you'll find it. But there are those who curse their father, do not honor, do not bless. And even in this same, same proverb, amongst the, amongst the three things and then four, three things and then four, three things, there's one, this verse 17 that it's just kind of out there, but I, I bring it back to this, there are those who do not, you know, honor, do not curse. Proverbs 30, verse 17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother 
will be picked out by the ravens in the valley and eaten by the vultures. That's like not real, you know, happy thought right there. We would want to avoid that as much as possible. Or how about if you go to Proverbs 20, verse 20. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Again, I think we would do well to honor, at least find something amongst the thousand things that your parents have done. Find one or two good, you can, you can find one. They've done, the one thing that helped me was when I realized, you know, my dad did hit the best that he possibly could. And then I realized that, that his father passed away when he was about 14 years old. And so did he have during his whole life, you know, no, his, his father wasn't abusive. He was gone on. And so when I realize that and when you can realize what your parents have gone through, then you might be a little bit, they're probably doing the best that they can because I think that God has put something into women, put something into men, hopefully more so when they get a little bit redeemed that they want to help the next generation. I don't even know if we should go into Exodus 21. Whoever curses his father or his mother should be put to, let's, let's not even, if we did, what would happen if we did that? And I just don't even want to, don't even want to think about it. There are those, curse their fathers, do not bless their mothers. Now, if you need to send a text, you need to call your parents, just, send, just speak life and speak faith and hope and thank them for the one or two, four, five. If you really count it up, there's probably a lot of good things that they've done to help you along the way. Okay, let's go into the next one. Proverbs 30, verse 12. Again, there are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed from their filth. And this is that, that, that verse 13, there are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. That verse 13, when I was studying that, that kind of just threw me off. It's like, that's like an incomplete sentence. It's like, why is that there? That's like, it doesn't have an, you know, it's like, it just says they're lofty are their eyes. And then I, you know, I kind of took that as if it could, that could be the whole you know, there's a humility, I think, for all of these. A humility of knowing that your parents are imperfect, but we're still called to honor them. And this one, there's a humility. And let's go back to verse 12. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. And I think this is where we have to be humble and let God be God. Let God define cleanliness, let God define evil, let God define good. I think of the book of Genesis and the creation. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, God created. God said, let there be light. There was light. And God saw that it was good. And then it, there's a repetition of God created, God said, and then God said it was good. And then, you know, God made man and, and woman in his image. And God saw that everything was good. The one thing he said was not good, it's not good for a man to be alone. So he solved the own, his own problem in a sense. He made a helpmate for the man. And then he said, he said, you could eat of all of these trees in the Garden of Eden. And then God could define sin. God could define evil. He said, you can't eat of this one. You know, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was in the middle of the garden. 
So you've got to realize God defines sin. God even defined the punishment for sin because in the day you eat it, you shall die. Of course, we go over to Genesis chapter 3 and the devil comes along, the accuser comes along, begins to question God's definition of sin, God's definition of the consequence of sin. Did God really say? Did God? No, you're not going to die. You'll become like God. Can't you see that this tree is good for food? When she saw that it was good for food, well, really, all the other trees that were permitted as well were good for food. All the other trees that were permitted were, you know, good to look at as well. And all of a sudden, we, we think that we can define sin. We think that we can define the punishment. We put ourselves into a place of almost of, of being God. And again, in the same proverb, Proverbs uh, 30, again, in the midst of three things and a fourth, three things and a fourth, there's this other verse in there. It's like, why is this there? But I take it back to the other one. Proverbs 30, verse 20. This is the way of the adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done nothing wrong. And how many other sins are there? You know, again, we were on campus and, you know, we, we asked, we use this God test and we say, do you believe in God? A lot of people say yes. Some people say no. But that's okay. We have questions for both sides. Pastor Rice Brooks has written this and it's been useful around the world, translated to many different languages. How would you describe God? And then what does God expect of us? And then the, the last question is, would you like to hear what the Bible says about these questions? And so we go back over it. What does God expect of us? And what I, this is what I do. I say, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? And most people know that there's ten, there's not nine. There's not eleven. It's not twelve. It's ten commandments. And then I say, and I say, do you know any of them? And they'll start to say, well, you know, love God above all things and, you know, and, I, and they'll name off a couple of them. At least I do a lot of work in Latin America. We have kind of a Catholic context there, so they've heard of Ten Commandments. And then I'll help them out. What we're doing is we're helping to define sin. We're using God's definition of sin, even of the moral law. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Because anything you make a God out of will disappoint you, whether it's your job, your parents, your education, your money, your bank account. God doesn't want you you know, to put weight on that thing, your spouse, to be something, to give you something that only he himself can be, can give for you. Shall not make for yourself a graven image. We're created in the image of God. We should worship God in spirit and in truth. Um, do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. That name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, is the name that we call upon and we're saved. So don't use that in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Work six days, rest one day. Honor your father and your mother. That's why I got in that conversation, that previous conversation I talked about. And then do not murder. Jesus said if you call somebody an idiot, you hate someone, you, you're like a, a murderer in your heart already. You shall not commit adultery. And then Jesus said if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Thou shalt not steal. How much would I have to take in order to be considered a thief? Is there an acceptable limit of stealing? Well, the answer is no. So we're defining sin. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't tell lies. 
Don't covet unduly desiring things that belong to another. And so as we go through the Ten Commandments with people, we, we, we're defining sin in a sense from God's perspective. Because there are those who are clean in their own eyes, but yet they are not washed from their filth. What we want people to see is we want them to see how desperate their need is for a Savior, that they need a Savior, that they don't have that Savior. And so we're trying to show them that great separation between them and God. And if you go to some of the other Proverbs, again, these Proverbs work together in, what's the word, in in parallelism. There's a lot of parallel or cross-references. Some of your study Bibles have little numbers on there that will take you to another Another verse that will say, you know, kind of the same thing, Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, right to a woman, but its end is the way of death. You know, so we think we can do all right. We think we can, you know, talking to another guy on campus, talking about the don't commit adultery, whoever looks at a woman lustfully. And he was, he was just telling, you know, well, I don't see any problem. You know, it was like, we're, we kind of, we're consensual. We love each other. And, you know, I think it's fine. So he's trying to define his own morality. There's a way that seems right to a man, to a woman. But the end of the way, the wages of sin is always death. Yeah, there's people who, who they're clean in their own eyes. And we get people in this culture now as well that they're trying to define themselves, define their identity, and that they, they definitely need help. We need people to see. And I like what, what Pastor Rice wrote in his, his book, God's Not Dead, that first of all, God defines evil. God has that right. He is God. We are not God. If we can start with that basis, if we can be a little bit humble, there are those who are lofty, that one little scripture. No, we've got to let God define evil. He tells us what it is. His commandments aren't burdensome, but they're there to protect us. Almost like warning signs on the highway, warning labels on chemicals. We need God's definition of sin. God defines sin. God denounces evil. He commands us to avoid it, to abstain from evil. No one is against evil more than God. God defeats evil. This is out of his book. I'll just, it's Pastor Rice. This is not mine. God defeats evil. By his life and death on the cross, Jesus came in to break evil's power. There is a solution. We can become clean, but it's not in our own eyes. It's not in our own efforts. It's in, it's in Christ. And ultimately, God will destroy evil. Even by allowing momentary evil here, but offering a redemption in Christ, he keeps our free will intact and we can live in the presence of God with no evil when God destroys evil on that great day. And so just as, and even just as we allow God to define evil, to define sin, there are those who are clean in their own eyes, yet they are not washed from their filth. The good news is we can be washed from our filth. And just as I speak very strongly, let's allow God to define sin. Let's also allow God to define the payment for sin, which Jesus paid that price. And it is sufficient. It was sufficient. And just as we allow God to define evil in our world, we should allow God to define us, even from the beginning, that he made us in his image. 
We are made in the likeness and the image of God so I can hold my head up and I can know that I'm made in the image and likeness of God. Even though my past has been one thing, I allow God to define me that he says I am forgiven and that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed my sin from me. God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin on my behalf, on your behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I allow God to define me as righteous. It's not a righteousness in and of myself because of my good works, but it's a righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. I allow him to define me. I allow him to define me as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says about us, that we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I allow him to define me, to give me my identity. And then I take that. I'm, I don't, I'm not so proudful that I would reject God's identity that he has imparted into me, that it cost God the Father his son. It cost Jesus his life so that he could call us his sons, his daughters. And so I take that identity. And I trust that I am washed. Are you following with me? It, and I've had to fight the battle myself because there's those thoughts that come of, you know, the condemnation that comes. And so I've, I've learned to, to speak those promises as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sin from us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us who fear him. And I take a hold of that and I speak it out. I'm speaking God's definition over my life time and time again because the battle is such that the enemy would come and even my own memories. And it's like the enemy will remind you of your past. Historically, he's correct, but I'm not living in a historic past. I'm living in a biblical present that I am forgiven, that I have a hope. Are you following with me? You know, so we can, as you, you know, as you, as you, even as you look at Proverbs, we're studying Proverbs, and it's, it's good to take Proverbs in the light of all the scriptures. You know, this one, and then you can go off into, you know, I've started in Genesis, I might end up finishing Revelation, but there are those, there are those, okay? Let's let God define us. Even, even God can define us as, I was meditating on this this afternoon, the greatest of, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be the servant of all. And I think that opens it up. It's, it's like it's available for everybody just to serve. We can do that. Amen? Okay, let's look at that. We're going to kind of land, try to land this anyway. Verse 14, going back to Proverbs 30. Today is, is August 30th. It's Proverbs 30. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives. And again, that's kind of a, a repetition. That's an analogy. Teeth like swords, fangs like knives. I don't know if that's a metaphor, a comparison, simile, those kind of different. And then it says, to devour the poor off the earth, the needy from among mankind. And so this is one... 
you know, again, a, a, a humility. I think that, that one verse 13 just kind of is an is a overarching. There are those how lofty their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, fangs are knives. Talking about their, you know, like their teeth. Their, I, would, I would take that to talk about their words. There's other proverbs. We could go that way. But what caught my attention was to devour the poor of the earth, the needy from among mankind. And again, there's a, a repetition, or poor and needy. That speaks to me about the vulnerable. You know, and even if you study the Bible, there'll be the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. You know, and even other Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 19, 17, whoever is, I don't think we have it on the screen, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his, for his deeds. And so there's, that, there's a theme in the Bible as well of, of helping the poor, helping those less fortunate than us. Even Jesus gives a parable in, in Matthew 25. The kingdom of God is when they separate out the sheep uh, from the goats. The sheep on the right, the goats on the Because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was in prison, you went and visited me. Well, when, Lord? When did we do that? Well, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me as well. And so what I've taken from this Proverbs 30, and there are those, there are those, there are those. Honor your father and your mother, you know, and then let God define sin. Let God define forgiveness for sin. And as well, you know, the challenge for us as a church is to help the poor and needy, help those who are less fortunate than us. Pastor Bryson made mention of something that we have coming up, an opportunity to be involved in that. And I know there's opportunities, there's hurricane down in Florida, there were fires in Hawaii, and just all kinds of, but this is something that we as a church can do, which is our, our wow jam. Now, if you haven't heard of that, you know, we're going to have that Saturday in one month, Saturday, September 30th, we're going to have an outdoor moment, East Nashville, where we will be helping the poor and needy. If you came in, you saw all the boxes you know, with food, we're asking people to go to Walmart, to go to Kroger, public, wherever you get your groceries, take the list, you know, and, and be able to, we're going to bless a family. Well, we're going to bless, we're going to try to bless 500 families. You want to come up here, LJ, come on up here and give us some more information. I do want to give us an opportunity, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers. This is something that our church is doing, that we should be involved in. We call this our church. Tell us about Wow Jam a little bit. I know, you know, there's, there's a QR code. Put that QR code if you're watching online as well. If you haven't signed up, I did, I did sign up. Did? I did. Okay, I did. Yes. I did. But I, there's a lot of places that need sign-ups as well. I did see that. There were only a few that were, like, full. So tell us a little bit how we can be involved. Okay. So um, on that website and the QR code that's going to take you right to Sign Up Genius. And the way that it is listed on there are all the different categories, starting from logistics and set up first thing in the morning, then all the different tents or booths that they would have, from haircuts to makeovers, pa um, painting nails, career counseling. But a couple of the ones that are in desperate need um, is the logistics, starting to set up. Because can't have a wow jam without all the tents. And there's 24 to 25 pop-up tents. So we definitely need more of a crew with that. 
uh, helping with food. We're going to be cooking for 1,500 people, including the volunteers. So that's a lot of flipping burgers and, and hot dogs and wrapping that up. So we need uh, food help. The art tent, they actually are going to do a contest there where people can come in and watercolor. We're going to have the um, paper for them. And they've found over the years that people have amazing talent. And so they're literally going to have a contest, go up on stage, win a $100 gift card. They're doing that with auditions. Kristen and Will uh, will be actually auditioning some people singing. They get um, a gift card. And then family portraits. If somebody out there, you do not have to be a professional photographer, but if you have a camera, what we're doing is we're taking family photos. And so a family would go in, have their picture taken, we'd document who, they're, who they are, and then after the WOW Jam, a couple weeks later, literally put those in five by seven frames and deliver them to their home. That's, that's huge, that personal touch. So uh, we only have three people right now, and they say that, that the bike repair, the family portraits, um, are two of the most popular, and so there's a place for you to fill out, okay? Um, what else did I want to say? Um, it, and the, the prizes are coming. When you go out tonight, we just had some people bring in. We've got bicycles. We've got sets of dishes. So all the prizes are pretty much taken care of, but also donations. Like if you have a bike, and it could be a used bike, as long as it's kind of you know, in decent shape, just kind of wash it up a little bit and you know, bring that in because some little kid that has nothing or even you know, an adult, that, that's going to go a long way. So I will be out there tonight. If you have any other questions, please come see me. Oh, that's right. Huge thing. Um, September 16th and 23rd, 11 o'clock, there's a group meeting down in East Park, which is 600 Woodland Street. That's where the event's going to be. And we're going to literally go door to door handing out flyers and invites. And we need a lot of people um, on both dates, particularly the 23rd. I think there's only three people signed up and we need like at least 75 to 100 to really scour that whole neighborhood. So that is on there as well. That's it. Okay, thank you. thank you. All right, thank you, LJ. If you want to get your phone out right now and do that, you can like, do that right now. That's why we put that QR code up there. You can do that right now. You can sign up right now. As you're signing up, I'm going to read one last scripture out of 1 Peter. It is good to kind of bookend the Old Testament and the New Testament. And as I've talked about, there are those... There was one, his name is Jesus, 1 Peter 2.21, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So hopefully as we, you know, hear this, there are those, and you know, I don't want to condemn anyone, but I want people to come to Christ and that's, that's the reason why we, even the law of God is to bring people to Christ. He is the Savior. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. How we need him. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, 
you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep. We were probably all amongst the, there are those. We were straying like sheep. But now we have returned to the shepherd and to the overseer of our souls. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Pastor Bryson to come on up and, and close us out. Why don't we just stand? We just stand before the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the Proverbs. Thank you that the Proverbs are, are set between Genesis and Revelation. The Proverbs are set between, even between creation, the fall, and redemption. God, help us to walk in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the fulfiller of all the law, and you're the fulfiller of even being punished in our place, taking upon you punishment that we deserve. God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.